You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker, back at you with another interactive class out of the secret library of the Connected Universe. But wait, I'm not in the secret library, and it's not Wednesday. What's going on here? <laughs> I'm on the road, so I'm in a makeshift uh, studio. You can probably tell from the photos behind me where I'm at, uh, but we are making do and had to go a day early uh, today to make all of this uh, wonderful stuff happen today. So I want to thank everybody for joining tonight. We are going to be talking about pyramid power. And uh, yeah, those uh, pyramids are actually, actually harnessing. And that's, uh, you know, it's a really, really fascinating topic that I am going to throw this out here right off the bat that we do discuss and get into deeply during our Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour, April 17th, 28th, 2024 is the next one. Uh, myself and Mohammed Ibrahim, uh, wonderful, wonderful Egyptologist out there. I've learned so much from this man. Uh, please join us. You can find the links, of course, on my uh, on my wife on my website, mikerickseker.com, all my social media, connectinguniverseportal.com. Um, or even Muhammad's, uh, you know, guide of Egypt and uh, Saba tours. But uh, yes, we're going to be talking. I see comments are already. Uh, we got Sylvain has joined us. All right, Crow Emil S. Great to see you guys down there. Um, I know several others will be joining here soon. Uh, I know it's an off night, so um, you know we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see who comes uh, comes in the house. All right, so for those listening to the podcast version later, you guys know I run through this. Those listening to the podcast version later, uh, please join us every Wednesday night, except tonight, which happens to be Tuesday, <laughs> every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. It's where we do the uh, Connecting the Universe uh, live stream show or interactive class, whichever you want to call it. Those that are part of the portal, you guys get the after show to that. And those that are members also have all of that other wonderful content that's out there, uh, like the behind the scenes. Uh, we just had the monthly uh, Q&A come out, all the sneak peeks, all the uh, you know travel vlogs from, like, from Egypt. Oh, my gosh, so much Egypt stuff back there. Ireland, American Southwest, other locations, so much back there, all the articles, uh, connectinguniverseportal.com. Uh, but we do run uh, bulk of this uh, live on YouTube these days as well. So, uh, and then also I want to thank everybody for uh, the support on Travels Through Time, which is my latest book, Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel and Stack Time Theory. It did hit uh, number one 
on the Kindle side, the Kindle version of it hit number one in uh, metaphysics out there on uh, on Amazon. So I do want to thank all of you guys for that. So it has become a uh, Amazon bestseller uh, for the paperback as well. And then, of course, we have the, uh, the audio book, too. So thank you guys for all of that. All right, let's get into the uh, class question for this evening. What do you think the pyramids were really used for? I did have some responses to this. So Jin LeBay said, uh, after being in them and seeing the lack of any decorative ornamentation, I think they were some kind of industrial factory. We'll actually get a glimpse of that clip uh, a little bit later on because we're going we're gonna to run through uh, some video clips of being inside the pyramid. So those that are listening to the podcast version of it later, yeah, you want to come out here for the live and actually uh, get a chance to watch all of that. So uh, let's see. We had uh, Carrie Lynn say, uh, a gathering place for decision-making, body prep and mummification, and burial of bodies. So um, gathering place, possibly body prep and, mummif and mummification and burial of bodies. So the interesting thing about that, for one, um, universally, there, there is nothing uh, within the pyramids for mummification. So that was all done uh, elsewhere. And that one's not debated. Uh, what is debated, though, is the bodies. Because the... Traditional narrative has been that there were, you know, the kings were buried in the pyramids, except no bodies were ever found. So you can't say that they were actually a burial location either. And so this has caused, you know, of course, the great debate as to what the pyramids actually were. Now, later on, that the dynastic Egyptians, in like the smaller pyramids because there are several small little ones around that are basically trying to mimic the bigger ones right there were some that were found in those real small ones uh, but when we're talking great pyramid of giza uh uh you know the bent pyramid you know all the, no no bodies were ever found so uh then we had Let's see, this was Cheryl Stevens, uh, 9016. This was off of uh, YouTube. The other two were from the Connected Universe uh, group out there on, uh, on Facebook. This one is from YouTube. She says, I believe that the pyramids were built to travel back and forth to other physical worlds and to teleport to other realms. Also, they were used for healing. So interesting, because uh, we actually see a lot of that type. I mean, basically, that's Stargate. She's, she believes Stargate technology. Uh, and I believe that they were related to uh, Stargate technology, that they had a function that helped it along. The Stargates were actually uh, elsewhere, used for centers of healing, possibly, possibly. Um, but we also see that in the in the temples as well. And I, I think the pyramids did have uh, a part to play in all of that, as we'll see. So... Um, so, yeah, Sarah Yusuf is in the house. Uh, Sam Blue is here as well. Uh, and, and Sarah saying a capacitor and battery, battery for energy. Well, um, that's kind of the road we are going to, to start down uh, this evening. So let's go ahead and get ourselves started here Why we are talking about this. I, I've actually wanted to talk about this for some weeks now, uh, but... You know, we had everything going on with with the book. There were a couple of weeks there where you know I was out of town. 
we had the uh, the UAP hearings. There's been a lot going on. Uh, but this article here uh, was making the rounds. From SciTech Daily, scientists reveal the Great Pyramid of Giza can focus electromagnetic energy. What's interesting there is take a look at the date, August 8, 2018. So the article was like, you know, a few years old here, like five years old. And yet it was making the rounds uh, like it was brand new. And, you know, having been in, involved in this research for a while, it's like, how did this get hidden? You know, where, where was this article hiding? Because uh, nobody was talking about this, but everybody was talking about it a couple of months ago. Uh, so basically what this says, what, this, what the article says, and you can look it up. I'm, I'm, uh, the link is out there. Um, and this is actually uh, the citation for it. We'll come back to that in a second here. But uh, basically, the article says, an international research group applied theoretical physics methods to investigate the Great Pyramid's electromagnetic response to radio waves. Scientists predicted that under resonance conditions, the pyramid can concentrate electromagnetic energy in its internal chambers and under the base. So this, uh, this article was published a study was published in the journal of applied physics in july 2018 and it goes on to say in a new joint study by scientists from itmo university and the laser zentrum hanover the physicists took an interest in how the great pyramid would interact with electromagnetic electromagnetic waves of a proportional or in other words resonant length Calculations showed that in the resonant state, the pyramid can concentrate electromagnetic energy in the pyramid's internal chambers, as well as under its base. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> basically, what I love about this is there's always been like this controversy for for decades, right? You know, people in our line of, of research on this that are, you know, considered quote unquote pseudoscientists because we don't have a PhD and a degree and all this other stuff, you know, backing us up on it. Um, you know, we've been talking about you know, the ancients harnessing earth energy for a long, long time and using that electromagnetism for different various things. I'm talking about that forever. And you have the mainstream traditionalists say, no, no, it was used for burial. Okay, well, you know, it, it makes no sense when you see the way that, you know, the, uh, the whole thing is laid out. This is from uh, Christopher Dunn's The Giza Power Plant. So, um, so he's one that believes it was actually used to, uh, to, to be a power plant. And you look at the, the setup of it, and um, I, I believe it was some sort of machine. Was it a power plant? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but it was certainly some sort of machine. Um, and just the whole way it's laid, you don't do this for burying a person. It just, it makes zero sense whatsoever. And especially if you, I mean, this is just a drawing, okay? It looks like, like a couple, you know, little chambers, got this massive hall. You've got these weird shafts, another little chamber underneath. Um, you know, and, and they look kind of small compared to the triangle that's there. But, you know, the, the Great Pyramid is massive and there's there's two 
areas within the Great Pyramid that really kind of sell me on the whole thing. And one is the Grand Gallery, which is huge. I mean, you can see our heads down there. Actually, that's Usama's head because <laughs> uh, I'm taking the photo. It's huge. It's massive. It's a corporal structure. There's no sense whatsoever for this to be done to bury a person, but there it is. And then there's the uh, the Queen's Chamber, which which we will come back to here in a, a moment. Um, what I want to do is run some uh, video clips. And those that have been following for a long time recognize the video clips, of course. Like Sarah, you're, you're going to be like, man, he's playing these video clips again. But, uh, you know, for others who are down there, like Sam probably hasn't and, and others. So let's go ahead and start with uh, going subterranean chamber and then the queen's chamber. And then we'll come back and take a look at those photos. Okay, we are here at the Great Pyramid, about to go inside. <laughs> so, we are now on our way down to the subterranean chamber. Even though it's like going to the Green Gallery. And then the Queen's Chamber. We're just looking at the Queen's Chamber here. I mean, back in there, looks like heat damage. You can see kind of like rivulets. It's almost like molten. But then it's all blackened. All the way up, especially back there, where you have all these little rivulets. And it kind of got uh, cut there a little bit at the end. That was kind of weird. So, all right. Now, keeping for this whole presentation this evening, this idea of the electromagnetism being present throughout all of these chambers, right? Um, go back to you know what they said here that the pyramid can concentrate electromagnetic energy in the pyramid's internal chambers. So it's harnessing energy, right? Well, what were they using that energy for? Honestly, we're not quite sure. Some sort of machine seems to be the case. So when we look at the queen's chamber, and this is the one wall in the Queen's Chamber. It's an interesting little niche that's there. It's a, it's a corbelled structure. Keep that in mind, the way that that is carved in there. I mean, we see that in a massive form with the Grand Gallery. But keep that in mind as we go along, okay? Uh, traditionalists have postulated that, you know, there's some sort of statue or idol uh, that was placed in here. Um... Well, yeah, except none was ever found, for one. And two, there's, well, you can see there's something going on here. One, there's a passage. Um, it goes about 30 meters uh, into the pyramid there. You can kind of see a bunch of kind of garbage or equipment is lying there right in the middle of the thing. But that passage it goes back about 30 meters. But then when you look at the back wall, of this, you can see the black scorch marks. 
you can see what I was talking about in the video, the rivulet. So this is basically the stone being melted. And here's a little bit of a closer look at that. Yeah. Black scorch marks. The stone is being melted. So something extremely, extremely hot was going on here. Uh, and Christopher Dunn's uh, illustration here, he calls it a reaction chamber. There's uh, salt sediment on the wall there in the, in the Queen's chamber that's actually uh, fairly thick. So something was certainly going on here, hot enough. And, and I think there was a concentration or some sort of, uh, probably some sort of device was within this niche here that caused that to burn and to melt. And then whatever its function was, yeah, it, it caused that uh, salt to, to build up on the walls. Uh, truly, truly fascinating. So uh, Sarah's asking, are there any structures such as stargates and obelisks near the location of the Great Pyramid? So uh, it's a, that's a good question. So, of course, you have the other pyramids that are there. There are obelisks you know, throughout Egypt, but um, ones that may have been there like right on the plateau, like the Giza Plateau itself does not have obelisks, uh, but there are other obelisks all throughout Egypt. And one of the ideas is that um, the power that was generated from the pyramids it was transmitted to the obelisks and the obelisks were like a, uh, like a relay. And given that they were made of granite, which is 55% quartz, or at least the Aswan Rose granite, depends on who you talk to. You talk to Dr. Mohammed, and uh, he's like, well, it's kind of closer to 60. You know, so uh, the substantial amount of quartz and basically uh, transmitting that signal uh, across. So, all right. So as we move through the Great Pyramid, I'm going to play the, the next clip of the, uh, of the King's Chamber and the Grand Gallery. We're in the King's Chamber and the Great Pyramid. This is in a rose and granite box that is extremely interesting. Not sarcophagus. And what is the purpose of this thing? What discovery did you make today? Well, the discovery that we made today, we have the three holes on the back side evenly spaced apart, but not on the front side. This is completely flat here on the back side while we have this lip that goes all the way around here. We don't know why it was built like that, of course, but very interesting that this is flat like that and does not have a lip like the other side. It basically suggests that there was no lip that was placed straight down. All right, looking down the grand gallery, just, you know, Jen is over here, so Jen, she is, um, even she was saying she feels like she's in a factory, and yeah, really, you know, I don't know about power plant, which is, you know, Christopher Dunn's idea, but definitely some sort of factory. To me, the Queen's Chamber just, like, epitomizes that, but even in the King's Chamber over here, the rose granite has been turned black. You have marks up on the ceiling from you know some sort of chemical reaction that was going on in there that made those marks and it looks like the the box is nicely lined up with that and then of course you have big resonance chambers like this 
Yeah, so we're going to talk, I was uh, right at the end there, I mentioned resonance chamber. We're going to talk a bit more about that with the bent pyramid. But you see it there with uh, with the grand gallery as well. Uh, you know, this this is a type of structure that is used for you know, harmonic resonance and sound. And between what does not get very much attention at all, if we go back to the illustration here, so you have the grand gallery, which is that long slanted section right in the middle of the pyramid, and then the king's chamber, and you see kind of the uh, the structures that are above the king's chamber. Uh, which really don't, as far as we know, don't serve a purpose now. Traditional say, well, it's, you know, uh, dispersing the weight or distributing the weight. Well, that uh, makes no sense considering you don't really have the same thing on the queen's chamber, which is much deeper <laughs> in the pyramid and would probably need that sort of support if that's your reasoning. Um, but what gets overlooked between those two, the Grand Gallery and the King's Chamber, is what they call the antechamber. And this is what it looks like. You have to pass through this to get from the Grand Gallery to the King's Chamber. And, I mean, look, it's black. You know, it's been blackened. And you have these strange, you know, perfectly carved slots right, you know, coming straight down. I mean, they're, they're like half tubes. You know, what in the world was that used for it? So you know, we've done some uh, sound testing from there, okay? Uh, Muhammad will take you back there. One by one, takes you back there. And, you know, you're just doing basic channel. Oh, oh. And you can feel the reverberation right inside there. It's wild. But went in there with a chromatic tuner and a tuning fork and is perfectly tuned to the key of f sharp now i knew that going in because tom danley a sound engineer had done some tests on that way back in the day but you know it's i wanted to see it for myself i want to kind of prove it to myself and sure enough chromatic tuner comes out to the key of f sharp and the f sharp tuning fork that's in my hand starts ringing okay it's f sharp which is also supposed to be the key of planet earth so really really significant and you know this antechamber you know it's dispersing what's it dispersing is it dispersing the sound is it dispersing that electromagnetic energy the scientists have found is you know, uh, able to disperse throughout the different chambers um we're really not sure uh, again we have ideas and theories and uh, you know some of them seem plausible now there are some more questions in here sarah <laughs> oh yeah always has a lot which is wonderful so um we'll take this one could the giza plateau have been partially underwater back in ancient times well it depends on how ancient you talk about so um yes <laughs> we well there, there are a couple things uh, one that we know for a fact um yes it was certainly uh underwater uh, you're talking, it's the Giza Plateau is made of limestone, which is a sedimentary rock from you know, ocean beds. And so uh, right there within a few feet of the Great Pyramid, I mean, literally within a few feet, it's like the Great Pyramid's right there and you're standing here and at your feet, 
uh, are the remains of an ancient sea lion, fossils. Yeah, that's embedded in the limestone. So, uh, so yes, the the plateau was definitely underwater at one point. Now, of course, I, I didn't know where you're going. Uh, was it underwater with the pyramids? Um, so that part there is is certainly debatable. Um, you know, we know that the Nile River was closer. It's freshwater too. You got to keep that in mind. Um, you know, the the salt inside the pyramid is not really going to be from the water because uh, it's freshwater. It was certainly closer. And then when you look at the Sphinx enclosure, well, that has the weathering effects from water erosion. And of course, that's the big debate with with uh, with Robert Schock and his re him and John Anthony West redating the age of the Sphinx. You know, far, far further back in time. Um, so, yes, there was water on the plateau at, at that point in time, too, while the Sphinx was there. So some of these are, you know, debatable. But, yeah, at, at one point, absolutely the plateau was, was underwater because it was a seabed. So, um, yep, and David F-sharp, absolutely. So... I did mention the uh, the king's chamber, some different interesting facts about that. And, and one, I mean, this is, again, our rose granite, but it's black, isn't it? So the, uh, the Great Pyramid was made of basically three different stones. Most of the structure is, is made of um, a regular limestone. The casing stones that made the whole thing like really sleek most of which have been removed from it were a white limestone. And then some of the structures inside the pyramid were made of granite. And that's what we're seeing here within the, uh, with the King's chamber. Now, when you look up above, look at the ceiling in this particular photograph. Okay. You have the coffer there that's in, in the middle or well, in the middle of the floor to the one side of the room. And you see above those strange rectangular marks. They're all throughout the whole thing. In some, in some places, they're lighter than others. And this is, you know, essentially due to some sort of, uh, you know, chemical reaction. You know, was there other structures here that are gone, lost to time? You know, the, the width of that of the space in between those because you know you have one on one wall one against the other and then a you know big space in between them you know it's roughly you know the same width as that coffer so something was going on within that chamber and of course that's the big debate now i'm not going to get into because uh, i've done it many many times before the actual carving of that coffer and some of the different uh, characteristics that um, they kind of picked out from that. Uh, but it was not a sarcophagus. It's not a sarcophagus. You go to the Egyptian, uh, go to the Egyptian Museum, go to the Louvre, go to um, the Valley of the Kings. You look at the sarcophagi that are at those locations anywhere else in Egypt. They're not constructed like that, like that box. So, all right, I do want to move on from the Great Pyramid because we're talking pyramid power. So that's not just the Great 
pyramid, other pyramids too. And what they were doing and how they were being used to harness energy, which again, going back to our, uh, our article here, scientifically showing here that pyramids can fo focus electromagnetic activity or electromagnetic energy. So we're going to move on to the bent pyramid here. So I do have a, uh, a clip here to play. So go ahead and play the bent pyramid clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Okay, here we are back at the bent pyramid. They deliberately bent the angle at that level. We used to call unknown reason, but now we know because they wanted to have certain effect or certain function happening inside. Going backwards into the shaft of the bent pyramid. It's the second time I've done this, and I will tell you, Stairmaster. Stairmaster is the way to prepare for this. It is steeper than the Great Pyramid, even though the shaft is shorter, which actually makes the Great Pyramid easier. So what's fascinating about this, and we see it also in the Great Pyramid of Giza, the corbelled structures inside. So you have an entire corbelled shaft. You have a another corbelled shaft that looks like the Grand Gallery, that looks like the niche in the Queen's Chamber. And once you go up all of that, the passageway that takes you to the special chamber, but there's another corbelled ceiling there. So this was a very, harmonic machine and there is the bent pyramid i don't know why it keeps uh just kind of uh phasing out there at the end <laughs> like it cuts off the last word or two um not sure why but i do want to recognize down here uh david gosling five dollar suit or actually it's a five pound uh super sticker so thank you very much david absolutely appreciate that so uh we always appreciate the uh, super chat super stickers all those wonderful things uh down here so um all right the bent pyramid now like i mentioned just real quick uh, if you go to Egypt, and again, I encourage you to come along with us to our Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour in April. Uh, do some Stairmaster. I'm going into the Bent Pyramid. It is, it seems ridiculous, but it's true. It is much harder to climb uh, down into the Bent Pyramid than it is the Great Pyramid of Giza, even though it's smaller. And that is because the shaft is steeper. It's cut at a little bit of a different angle that is steeper than the Great Pyramid of Giza's shaft. So even though the shaft for the Great Pyramid to get down into the subterranean chamber is longer, uh, this one is at a steeper angle. And it's really, really tough on the legs. So uh, <laughs> make sure you're prepared for that one. Um, but you go down that shaft, uh, up a little, they've inserted some wooden stairs um the egyptian antiquities authority to put in some wooden stairs so you can kind of climb up a little bit and then you find yourself in this structure here which is again look at the sides here now all of that wooden scaffolding 
is is put in place by modern times. That's that's a modern structure so that you can climb up to um, another little tunnel. That is not part of the uh, ancient structure. But look at the sides. That is a corbelled structure. Um, that's basically in a. It's close to a square, not quite. Pretty close to square, and then of course it tapers off at the top as uh, as it goes. Also from here, and this is a look down those uh, those wooden stairs that you climb up to here, right? Uh, if you look at, you can kind of see above the stairs. Uh, there's kind of like a shaft. Well, sort of is. Again. You kind of look past the uh, restorative work. That's that there is ancient restoration. Uh, the the king that built, or I'm sorry, the king that is credited with building the bent pyramid, Sneferu, his name actually means the restorer. He restored this. Uh, so those are more ancient restoration works. But you can see this still uh, has that bit of a. Uh, it's a bit of a corbelled niche. So when we go back and we look at something like this, it's the same structure as that. This is just a bit more narrow, right? Okay. So come up those, those little stairs there from the shaft. We go up that scaffolding. We find ourselves in this tunnel, okay? Um, this is not fitting a um a sarcophagus <laughs> or anything like that uh for one because it's um yeah it, it's rather narrow that's gin uh trying to climb through it you basically crawl through the thing uh you end up in this passageway which a little bit smoother you can just kind of bend over a little bit uh it's walkable it's not too bad at all and you go up those stairs and uh, one of the photos here is missing. But in any case, you end up in a uh, another room, which has, this is the ceiling of it, a bit of that corbel structure. But again, there's, there's ancient restorative work here. And there are bats here too, by the way. Um, what's more significant though, is down this passageway, you see kind of off to the left and right, there seems like to almost be passages off of that. It's not, really passages i mean there's like they're kind of like little insets and there's some additional stonework that's been done there well each of those ceilings oh here we go we have that corbelled structure again yes there are some bats there too <laughs> but both sides have it this side uh you know is more pronounced and so, again, what we use that type of structure for, that, that corbelled structure, uh, is sound and harmonics. So we're talking earlier about, okay, the Great Pyramid of Giza is tuned to the key of F sharp. We need to do some testing there in uh, the Bent Pyramid because you have more of those types of structures within it. The Great Pyramid has two. Now, granted, the Grand Gallery is huge and massive and is kind of like the largest version of any of those types of structures. 
that we see in any of these pyramids. But the Bent Pyramid has more of them. Now, Muhammad, he believes that this was uh, doing something with microwave technology. So, you know, given the idea that, okay, these pyramids are harnessing the electromagnetism of the earth, spreading it throughout these chambers, what's it doing with that energy? Well, now you have a uh, vibration of energy throughout the structure and you have these uh, you know, these harmonic chambers to create different various uh, sounds and other different wavelengths. So they're harnessing uh, energy, which comes in at a certain wavelength, and they're uh, modifying it. So, again, we're not precisely sure for what. Now, when we're talking, okay, was it a power plant and spreading energy around? Well, what would they be using that energy for like if we're going to spread energy around you know i i don't think we're turning on light bulbs with it right i think there's something else that we're doing something that's a little bit more meaningful to their culture because you know they were more of a, an agrarian culture they um their whole civilization was based off of the nile river and uh, during the inundation season the, you know, the rich black soil would come uh, you know, down the stream because the waters would rise and the black soil would come in and then they would plant the crops and they would grow their food. You know, you have to think about this. There's, um, you look at Egypt, there's only about 7% of the land that's actually habitable. The rest is desert. This is very, very important to them. So, you know, they want as, as much positive growth as they can get you know, within their crops, within their food. Uh, so I believe that this energy was probably used more for um, you know, creating a better yield on the crops so that, uh, so that they had enough food to survive the harsher months. Uh, and again, you have that, that desert that's sitting right there. You have a drought, um, you know, you're going to be in trouble. So I think that's what it was more used for. Again, that's going to be you know, debated, of course. So... Let's see and some other comments down in here. Uh, yeah, the bats are keen again. That's that's something that's kind of interesting. Is uh, you know, the the bats that have gotten into some of these uh, different pyramids? You don't see that in the in the Great Pyramid anymore. They had years and years ago. They had some issues uh, with the bats, uh, so they don't have that anymore. The uh, the Vent Pyramid, however, you get some you get some bats. They don't bother you at all. They just hang out at the ceiling. Um. And then Jill's in the house. Great. Uh, I like this from Sarah. Might be a Tesla charging station for UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so David, I know this is old, but what does Mike feel inside these structures? Hmm. I mean, there's a palpable energy. And one, like going down the bent pyramid for one, you're feeling winded. <laughs> um but yeah, you, you actually do feel the energy inside these structures, um, especially the Great Pyramid. You really, really feel it there. Um, and you, you know you're tapping into something. Uh, and so, okay, the, the pyramids are harnessing electromagnetic activity. Well, you, your body feels that. You, know, you go, go stand to a, a, um, an elect, a large electric transformer, right? I mean, you're going to feel it. 
And so, yeah, when you're inside these pyramids, you feel that energy. So, um, so Sarah says, do you have any research into bioelectric fields and their effects on plants? I mean, I don't have it at my uh, disposal right in front of me, but there, there is, there is research that has been done on how different uh, electrical fields can affect plants. And so, um, so yeah, I've heard of people doing things like placing little pyramids at the corners of their gardens and things like that. I mean, that's kind of more of on our um, you know, metaphysical side, people doing that. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the same as like with music. Music can certainly affect plants with wavelengths, right? And so, you know, electromagnetism, uh, you know, also has different effects, you know, depending on you know, the wavelength, the frequency, all that sort of thing uh, that all plays into it. So, um, yeah, David, it's a, it's a really, it's a really amazing feeling. Um, and Jill, do you hear a hum from the energy? Um, I don't know if I'd say I'd hear a hum. Um, how do I want to put this? Cause there's definitely a feeling from it. Um, and of course, they're because they have light bulbs running through the thing. So there's a little bit of a hum off the light bulbs, which may be dampening it. But um, like I was saying earlier, when you do some like more meditative chants, like doing um, you feel that all throughout. It kind of reverberate, reverberates through the whole structure. So, um, okay, here we go. Uh, Magneticus attractus. I've coiled plants, then pulsed the coil, causes strange behavior in plants. There we go. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and then Sylvain asks, so I think we can use this energy for healing. So that's one of the ideas here is that a lot of these ancient sites of power um, you're used for a variety of different things. And one of those uh, ideas is that they were used for healing. Now, when we go to um, some of the different temples, like the temple of Dendara, which is Hathor. Uh, she was a uh, healing goddess or what they call the netters. So people would go there specifically uh, to get healed. So, you know, the pyramids also harnessing that kind of energy. The, the temples did too, just kind of in different ways. So yes, one of the ideas is you know, you'd go there to get healed, to get reattuned, that sort of thing as well. Um, and so and we have those types of ideas all throughout our ancient world, like the stone circles and things like that. You know, one of the ideas is we go to the stone circles for, uh, for healing also to enter into alter states of consciousness, stargates, portals, these sorts of things. So there's a lot of different, uh, avenues we could go down with that. All right. So, um, Let's take a look here at the uh, Saqqara, Saqqara Step Temple. I uh, want to hit that here. Uh, we've got about 20 minutes left. Okay. So let's hit Saqqara here real quick. Saqqara, considered the first pyramid designed by Emotep. No, not the Emotep from the mummy. We'll see what adventures await us inside. This baseline is completely balanced with north side and the other base perfect to east. So, because it can be a little bit off center, right? No, it is perfect. Big hole, and by the way, it's not the small hole. Uh, 
That hole is nine by nine. Big hole, we're gonna see it. This all can be put in one crazy idea, my idea, that we are talking about a huge portal. Because we have so many carvings and paintings and symbols of snakes and copras in our language, but not all of them mean copra or snake. No, they mean energy. And we have a second clip here to follow up on that. I did them separately because of some stuff that I was doing on uh, social media, TikTok, that sort of thing. But here's the second part of it. Most people don't know that the shaft within the step pyramid has twins. There are more mysterious vaults to be found, and they all line up perfectly at Saqqara. What were the vaults used for? This piece is in a cone shape. It is wider and at the base. So when you try to take it out, it's stuck more, actually stuck more. So you cannot get it out. So any pressure underneath will push this stopper up. So we'll close it more. So that was the case. That's why I call it uh, pressure, like the pressure cooker. <laughs> granite is very, granite is almost close to uh, iron. So to, to have such effect, from natural reason, it must be something so strong. So that structure there is not part of like the main tour. That's like in the side. So everybody goes to Step Pyramid. They go down into the robber's entrance. What they call the robber's entrance. Go down to the robber's entrance. And they see this, you know, beautiful, massive shaft uh, down in. It's nine by nine. So the structure down there is not a uh, not a sarcophagus. They don't even hide the fact that okay, this is this is not a burial chamber. They call it the vault, and you have this strange what uh, Muhammad was calling the pressure cooker because the the bottom of you see that thing in the um, uh, well, I guess it would be northwest if you're looking at the center of that vault. It would be on the northwest side of that. Um, it's larger at the bottom than it is the top, so you can't get it out. What in the world is this thing for? I really have no idea. This is within the step pyramid. Ah, but it's not the only shaft like this, okay? Again, that's part of the main tour. This is off on the side, so Muhammad gets his, you know, his access for us. So we go down here, we check it out, and we, you know, we walk down here. So we actually, you know, get to see one of these things, and it's much bigger than you really think it is. Looking at it from the top, and this is Muhammad, and that's Natalie over there. No, that's that's, uh, that's the other Jennifer uh, standing next to it. It's pretty dang tall, and you see that groove thing. Um, that Muhammad is standing next to, that's like a scoop out of it. And it's really, really smooth. It's kind of bizarre. And then you look straight up into the sky. So what is this thing? 
what is this thing? Because the step pyramid was essentially built on top of there's three of them that we know of. Uh, there may be others in the area. That's the big question. We actually really don't know what they are, what they were used for. They were some other structure. They, they were not built there for the step pyramid. The step pyramid was built on top of and around it. And because you know, this is not something, <laughs> it's just, it's not something that you build natively for uh, this thing. Now, over time, um, the the area under Saqqara there, you have all kinds of chambers and passages and, you know, they really, really carved out that whole area. But again, this is another, as, as you go through Egypt, you find that the dynastics repurposed and reutilized and built on top of a lot of older pre-existing structures. And so these shafts predated that area, predated what was there with the step pyramid. And this is actually Muhammad's backyard, like literally. Uh, it, it, his, his face kind of lights up when he starts talking about it because he used to like run around there as a 10-year-old. And I should have brought up a picture. Um, the courtyard for the step pyramid, when we walk out there, it's, it's a nice, huge rectangle. Um, and you got all the sand and everything. And he's like, this was all, he's like, when I was a kid, this was all alabaster, all alabaster. Um, but not there anymore. But uh, yeah, big question. What exactly uh, were these structures? We, we don't know. Um, but this was something that uh, with that step pyramid, which is built, quite differently, but yeah, it looks like the Step Pyramid of Chichen Itza. Um, it was trying to harness, harness some sort of energy uh, off of these things. Well, some other comments and questions down here. Yeah. Um, I know that's kind of what he likens it to, because when you get that energy within there, it's, it is creating a pressure within those chambers and whatever it's trying to do. It's not going to be able to, to pop out of there. Right. Um, and yeah, Sarah's like a legend of Zelda dungeon. Uh, so Magnetis Attractus, what do you see at night looking up through the shaft? You'd see a nice starry sky. Uh, now there are, uh, celestial alignments with all of the, uh, with all the various pyramids and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I'd have to, that's a great question for, for Muhammad. Is there a specific astronomical alignment with the shafts? Now, the shafts themselves are all lined up, boom, 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 one, two, three, in a straight line. Um, and they are headed due north, I believe, if I recall correctly. So uh, that's one that I, I definitely have to follow up with uh, Muhammad on as, as far as astronomical alignments with, with the shafts. Um, most everything there does have that. Um, and yeah, see, and yeah, David, good point. Having visited castle rooms in the UK, you have to imagine wooden floors that were uh, there originally. Yeah, uh, out in Ireland uh, last year in a lot of those different you know, castles. Well, there's no floor there anymore. <laughs> uh, but same thing with, uh, with, with Egypt. There are uh, things that are missing that are no longer there that have you know, deteriorated to time. So uh, not just wooden uh, pieces, but also metal as well. 
um, metal corrodes, rusts, deteriorates. Uh, so that's one of the great things about, of course, stone. It doesn't. Um, and that's why so many of these uh, remnants that we have from ancient times are just the stone. Uh, the other pieces that went along with it that were metal or wood or uh, anything that might be organic or biological are long, long since gone. Um, all right. And uh, Sylvain, uh, is there a connection with the sun maybe? Well, depends on the structure. Now, um, the Egyptian culture was more sun-oriented uh, rather than lunar, but there are aspects, of course, of, of the lunar cycle and things like that as well, as long as correlation between sun, moon, that sort of thing. Um, when we... When we talk about um, like the night sky, the ships across the starry skies, that sort of thing, um, that's more toward the lunar side. But the sun, like their whole calendar was based off the sun. In fact, when, um, and that's where we get it from originally, um, it's been modified over time. But when Caesar came to, uh, came to Egypt and he saw that, you know, the way the Egyptians were using their calendar based off of the sun he incorporated that calendar uh to become the julian calendar which was used for a long long time it got modified a little bit to our current gregorian calendar um but uh yeah he he realized it was a much much better way of you know keeping track of uh the calendar than the lunar calendar calendar they were previously using because they kept getting off um, so yeah, the sun was definitely a, uh, important part. Of course, you know, sun got raw, uh, very important as well. So, um, so I do want to make mention of, um, cause we talked about it briefly before with, um, I forget who mentioned it in there about, um, somehow we talked briefly on stargates for just a moment. I said, we'd come back to it, uh, basically like uses of, uh, the pyramids and you know the power that they might be used for somewhere in there somebody mentioned it so i'm gonna take a look at hatchetsup's uh temple here i'm not gonna play the video clip uh from it it's a little bit more lengthy if i recall and many of you have seen it before <laughs> like sarah i know you have uh but what's wonderful about hatchetsup's temple to me this is like um the epitome of a stargate so um and that's part of part of our Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour. So what we're looking at here uh, is, a, is a temple built into the cliff. The Holy of Holies is all the way back inside the cliff, up this wonderful staircase. Now, when you're looking at this staircase, you have two statues there on the side. The one is on the right is pretty much gone. The one on the left is uh, carved as a falcon. It was not originally a falcon. Uh, it's been recarved uh, and repurposed over time originally it was a snake some people speculate cobra we're not sure but it was originally a snake and you can even see look at the tail going up uh the stairs on the side there you can see the snake tail and so that's what we have on either side of the staircase going up now uh the snake was a symbol of energy in ancient times um, you know so they used that energy for many many different things of course, here, you know, we're seeing it symbolically energy going up the stairs back into the temple. Wonderful. Mentioned earlier, uh, 
just a moment ago, the, uh, the pyramids and, uh, you know, being utilized as part of this type of technology, not being the main focal point, but of being you know, part of or a piece of uh, the function of the whole. And so this here is you know, it's, it's a base of an ancient pyramid, the pyramid itself gone, completely obliterated. But it's the base of one. So there was a there was a pyramid, a small pyramid next to Atchison's temple here. Now, if we're saying that this is um, you know, harnessing power again, going all the way back to our um, where we started here, focusing electromagnetic energy. Okay, fantastic. So now we have a temple here or a, a pyramid here that is focusing electromagnetic energy for this temple. Why is that important? Well, we see as you go through the various uh, gates into like the uh, the inner courtyard and then into the bar hall, um, we see on the walls, and this is the doorway into the bar hall. Look right above the wooden gate here, starting from the right. That is the uh, symbol for Stargate. So you have, uh, just reading off the hieroglyphs here, so uh, you have some phonetics and you have some determinatives. So you have uh, the folded cloth on the very right there, which is the, uh, the hieroglyph for S, the determinative star. And then you have the foot hieroglyph there, that is the phonetic B. And then you have uh, the determinative gate there. So pronounce Saba, and that means Stargate. And of course, it's right above this sign that says, Dear Tour Guides, kindly don't explain inside this part. We appreciate your cooperation. Yeah, they, uh, they don't want the tour guides going in there and explaining what this place is. So the bar call is basically um, the ascension room for the gods. It's where they travel through coming through these different court courtyards with gates that say stargate on the side of each into this hall this ascension hall and what's wild is when we get into that hall there's a couple of guards that are standing there they won't let you through into the holy of holies now for a tip give them a tip um you know, they'll take a photo for you just straight back but you don't get to see everything that's within the Holy of Holies. Now, if you're like our good friend, Johnny Enoch, and as Muhammad's doing, if we get there first thing in the day, that's important. Get the first thing of the day, Muhammad's taking the tour you know, around. Johnny runs up there right away before everybody else. I don't know how much he paid them. You know, nice tip. Got back into the Holy of Holies. And what is in there, this is Johnny's photo, is a cartouche full of stars. Absolutely beautiful. So, I mean, there's a, a few different ways to depict uh, the stargates, the symbolism. And, uh, you know, we have other videos here on the channel that dive into all of that. It's also my next book, by the way. Uh, Stargates of Ancient Egypt. So that's the tour coming up in April, my next book. Um, I do talk about uh, just real real briefly as an example, uh, Hatshepsut's Temple and some of the symbolism there in my current book, Travels Through Time.
because uh, I wanted to kind of introduce that because the concepts that are explained in Travels Through Time are related. Everything's connected. That's why it's called the Connecting the Universe series. Uh, it is connected to uh, these structures here in, in Egypt. So uh, a couple questions here. Um, so Sam Seconds, David, David's question is, have the pyramids ever been considered an impenetrable defense like a castle? We know they have tunnels for possible food storage. Well, what's interesting is like with the Great Pyramid, um, for centuries, 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 thousands of years, um, there was no like, door into it because all the casing stones covered everything up. So when um, you know, the robbers, Mahmoud, uh came around the tunnel into it it's basically we use the robber's entrance to get into the great pyramid now um he basically was hammering into the thing they so they were chiseling into it, it was going slow they did some different things with with vinegar um make almost like a small explosive sort of a thing to try to get into it it was just really um yeah barbaric to try to get into the great pyramid now many people do suspect that he had some sort of knowledge some people think maybe it was a map or some sort of something was handed down over time because where he tunneled in it perfectly and it, the odds of it are just ridiculous it perfectly hit where the uh where basically the grand gallery meets the uh the passage, the passage going down to the subterranean chamber it was like perfect. Um, makes no sense that it would have been perfect like that, but he hit it. But yeah, basically the, uh, the great pyramid was pretty impenetrable, uh, for a long, long time. Uh, now is that someplace where if they were being attacked that they could have done, done food? Service? Well, I mean, they had, they had grain silos and things like that. They had places where they could store food. Um, and you know, I mean, the Egyptians, ancient Egyptians, at least the dynastics, were pretty um, confident of themselves and their prowess. Um, so they weren't really used for things like that. But I suppose in a pinch, if you had a uh, back door to get into one, you could take a small group into there. But you're not putting thousands of people in there. Uh, to hold yourself up in like a siege type of uh, situation. Just it wouldn't be practical uh, for something like that. But um, but <laughs> we're pretty impenetrable. So um, and Psychophia, uh, this port, the pyramids lead to a portal. I think they were used um, to aid in uh, portal technology. Uh, they were they were part of the puzzle. For, for all of that, my opinion. So, all right. Well, we are at our hour mark. I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Those that are part of the Connected Universe portal, uh, you know, we're going to be on the portal side there. So we're going to have to sign off to uh, the public side. So uh, portal members, after show here for uh, a little bit. And uh, I do want to let everybody know next week, uh, we don't have... Uh, connecting the universe class. I'm going to be in Michigan, the Michigan Paracon. Uh, if you're in the area or hey, if you want to make the trip up to Sault Ste. Marie, a beautiful area, 
Uh, Michigan Paracon is a blast. We have an absolutely amazing time up there. Um, I'm part of the uh, the, the panel on, uh, for the pre-party on Wednesday night, and I'm speaking uh, Thursday, which is the 24th. Um, at 1 p.m., I'll be talking about time, time travel, the new book, Travels Through Time, all that. Come up, get a signed copy. So, all right, everybody. That is all for now. Till next time, time really exists.